Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we're the Money Medics. And we're the hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast will we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Your Real Money Stories in association with Zopa. And we're Money Medics, your hosts for today. And you know that Money Medics are all about sharing real stories, conversations and information about money so you know you can make better decisions about your personal finances. Um, so obviously this is a Your Dilemmas episode and this is where we get, you know, exciting and interesting guests just to kind of help you guys or help us answer your money related um, dilemmas as well as sharing their stories and um, their experiences. So I'm Ashley, pharmacist by day, foodie, and you, well, I'm sure you guys get the gist, I love money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we're done. Yeah, we say a different thing every time. Money. <laughs> My name is Eve, pharmacist also, um, landlady and new mum as well. Oh. Awesome, I am Nick, a uh, trash consultant, I actually work in finance, so I'm always going to be the one to fact check what we're saying and come with the unconventional thinking or thoughts around what people think Mm. holds true in society. Okay, Okay. what an intro. Unconventional thoughts on thinking about what people think. (laughs) (laughs) You get the point. (laughs) And can you introduce our guest? Of course, and I'm joined by the lovely Laura Ann Moore. Um, I, I think I can say so many different things. You're a mindset coach. You're a former actress. Yes. Is that fair to say Correct. that? Uh, you're a business owner. I am. Um, <laughs> you're. A, I th- I'd say like you're also a facilitator. You're a lecturer. You like. I think you help people's financial wellness and financial well-being. Um, and of course, you've hit some very impressive milestones when it comes to saving. So I'm really, really honoured to join you here as well. And I love your. TikTok content as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so like you said, today's episode is all about savings and you just mentioned TikTok. So we're always seeing TikTok Instagram challenges. Oh, I save this amount in this amount of time. But the thing is, do we ever really talk about the sacrifices oh. that you have to make in order to save or even if saving is feasible for everyone? Mm. So we're going to get into the gritty of all of that mm-hmm. today. Mm. And yeah, so we have you joining us, our <laughs> savings guru but yeah you know nick you love to talk about your statistics so mm. i know you've got one saved for me there go on bring it out <laughs> so yes yes um i've got a statistic by hargreaves Lansdowne. um over a third of people don't save anything each month mm-hmm. you know i think the main thing to be aware of it's not because they're spending in a bad way it's mm-hmm. because they have literally nothing less because they're not earning that much yeah uh what do you guys think about it in general i think that there is that side of it like the people who don't earn enough to put away there's also this other side to it of people who do earn but think that they don't need to save mm. and therefore don't i've got some friends like that why do they why do they think that they don't need to save because they think that their job is so secure they're yeah. like well i get money every month mm. i don't need to worry about having savings mm. obviously i'm there like um but they think there's that that side of it where they're living a nice lifestyle mm. spending everything every month mm. and then not saving I think if there's one thing that the pandemic taught us is that 
anything mm. can Nothing happen. Can yeah. Mm. And even just that, there's also the type of people, sorry, I didn't mean no, to interrupt no, you. Um, the type of person that thinks, that could potentially save, but they're like, oh no, let me wait until I earn more money and then I'll start yeah, saving. Yeah. Let me enjoy my money yeah. for now. Oh, yeah. I've had quite a few friends that have actually, we've had conversations like that. So, yeah, that's that's a really, over a third, that's a really interesting statistic. I love people, that's like one in three. Mm. That means one of us is not saving. But we want to get to know you a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I think one of the most impressive things you always say all the time is by the age of 27, you were able to save £35,000. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Give us a bit of context behind it because I know people had their views on how you did it, whether you come from a privileged background. Like, give, like how did how did you do it? So, yeah, that's really common. People just assume that it's like, must have been like daddy's money or, you know, that like I've come from a, a place where I've got loads of money, which is not the case. Like, mm. you know, my parents didn't have much money at all, which led me to when I got my job, my first ever job, second I started earning money, I was like holding on to it. I was like, this is going nowhere. Mm. <laughs> so I got my first full time job when I was like 19 mm. with the plan to like go to drama school and was like, right, I'll put myself through it mm. and had a goal of £15,000 in mind. And then by the time I was 22, I'd saved that money. But I was working full time. And I was literally like, using spreadsheets i was trying my best i was tracking every penny that was going in and out it was really obsessive some Mm. would say but it helped Mm. at the time and then what happened is i went with my money traveling Mm. spent it all Mm. and then when i came back again resaved again so replaced that money so the Mm. the thirty-five thousand pounds by the time i was 27 was like over two chunks broken down Mm. so it's like saved spent saved again Mm. And are you planning on spending the £20,000? <laughs> um, I sort of spent it in the way of it was in a savings account mm. and then I moved some of it into investments. So I bought okay. stocks and shares and index yeah. funds and yeah. stuff. Um, the other half is sat there, was there basically so that I could go full time on my business. Okay. So saved for, with that purpose. Although mm. the original purpose was to go travelling again. Mm. So I saved it thinking pre-pandemic yeah. that I would be backpacking around South America mm. and I'm not, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not, not yet. Happen. Anyway. <laughs> you care to tell us a bit more about your business? or Yeah, mm. so I very recently got qualified as a financial coach. Well, congratulations. Mm. Thank you. So it's going to be um, basically helping people transform how they feel about money. Mm. So combining the practical and the emotional elements of personal finance mm. to go from living paycheck to paycheck, not saving, all of that stuff to, I hate this phrase, but like feeling empowered by money and Mm. taking control of it and Mm. like building wealth basically. Mm. Um, But in a very, yeah, looking at the mindset, the psychology side of things. So so this is going to be not controversial, but then in your opinion, what's the difference between like manifesting and then psychology of money? From your point, do do you lean more to a particular one? I think the thing about manifesting money is it can be seen as really woo-woo and really like not a lot of people, uh, not that they don't don't believe in it, but like there's a lot of controversial opinions around it. Mm. And I do believe in that element, but it's also, you can't just be like, oh, you can manifest money because then people will just sit on the sofa and be like, where's the money at? And you're like, no, you're missing the point. You've got to take action. Mm. But it's definitely the psychology. I find how our brains work fascinating. Like it's... 
like literally blows my mind <laughs> ironic um so it, it really it's more aimed on the psychology side of things okay. but if people are open to it or there is that side if you look at my instagram and my tiktok there's still that element of yeah, that okay. side of it that I talk about. Okay, mm. okay makes sense. Well, we're going to use that expertise of yours to help us answer some dilemmas. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, on the podcast, we like to share real stories. So we've got some of our um, audience and they've sent in like their money-related saving dilemmas. So everyone just put on their headphones and mm. we'll listen to the first one. Hey, money medics. I need help building better saving habits. So um, I'm quite an impulsive spender. My brain tells me I'd rather have it and not need it, then need it and not have it, if that makes sense. I recently started a business and I spent all my savings setting it up and now I haven't replenished them. And I also need to sort out a pension. I'm 27, (laughs) I'm not getting any younger. My mum has always said, money just burns a hole in your pocket. You spend it before you have it. That kind of gives you an insight into my current mentality and what I'm trying to change. So from my point of view with that is she's really aware of what her brain is telling her, right? Mm. Being like, my brain says it's better to not uh, have it but not need it as opposed to the other way around. And the thing is about money is we think that we make our decisions from logic. We assume that we know how to, but what actually happens is 95% of the time we make it from our emotional brain. Mm. So there will be an emotional trigger to the impulse spending and this idea around the belief that it's better to just spend your money. So like it's changing this idea that money is better off not in our pockets mm. and like changing the belief around because it's she, she kind of needs to ask herself like if i carry on in this way where am i going to end up because mm. it's all well and good now it's the whole like delayed versus instant gratification yeah. thing um and with impulse spending it's like like you say you get triggered by different like we usually impulse spend to change our state of how we feel yeah. maybe we're bored maybe we're feeling anxious we're Lonely, whatever. Because there's different like emotional triggers. Like one is like social media. One is like the people you hang around with. Mm. Uh, one can be around also events. So like birthdays, Christmas. I guess you yeah, mean like Christmas. those are like the influences. Yeah, the yeah. influences. So influences those those those, those are the emotional tr- like triggers that can get you to spend on impulse. Mm. So Laura, you mentioned she should change her mentality. How would one go about doing that? What, what do you do? Like, how do you, oh, I'm just going to change my mentality. Like, what do you actually do to change your mentality? So, first of all, we have to believe that what we think we can change. Mm. Mm. That it's not, like, beliefs aren't set in stone. Mm. They, we have a belief because we've grown up, we've experienced something, yeah. and we yeah. then see it to be true. Mm. But a lot of the time, it's not always the case. Yeah. So it's like this belief or this feeling we can say, right, I feel like this now, mm. but I know that I can think differently. Mm. And then to reprogram a belief it is about repetition and changing your language Mm. and um so this phrase that she keeps or that she mentioned like to not continue to use that as an excuse to impulse spend to go right okay i don't like my behavior right now i don't feel like it's serving me so let's take a step back let's figure out why i feel like this Mm. and then what do i need to be saying that's going to help change my behavior Mm. because you change behavior through feeling Mm. and to change your feeling you've got to think differently so if she can start to like say phrases that are going to help her feel and think differently she'll start to change her habits or do you mean like affirmations kind of like affirmations do do they do they actually work uh yes 
Uh, yes. <laughs> so there's actually scientific like reports. I probably should have some like stats in my back pocket to like, like pull out. <laughs> yeah, still that. Um, but they do work because our brain, you ascend. Let's say you've got a negative belief about whatever yeah. about money. Your brain will look for things that reinforce the idea that you believe. Mm. Is it like the idea, like when you think about a yellow car, all yes. of a sudden you start seeing lots and lots of yellow cars? Yeah. It's exactly because it's in your periphery so you're yeah. like seeing so then something bad happens so you say i'm bad with money yeah. one little problem happens you then go see i'm bad with money mm. and it then reinforces this idea as opposed to changing it and saying i'm learning how to be better with money mm. or you know and it doesn't have to be super like oh i'm so amazing at money like if you're not going <laughs> to believe it it could just be really like neutral yeah mm. and you repeat it yourself put it have it as your background on your phone right on your mirror like whatever works for you mm. and start to change this idea around what you think your brain is telling you mm. and like take back the control and how like do you think she could probably balance her thinking around like her pension as well as like re rebuilding her savings i think that especially like when you're younger you just assume that being old is so far away yeah. right yeah. it's like nah that's in the different <laughs> like the right. future so I think the best thing to do to balance the two is first of all get an understanding on a, what she would be saving for. And then knowing that a pension, we should see a pension as non-negotiable. Like, yeah. hopefully you are going to get older. So it's you are going to need money. Yeah. It's also so tax efficient as well, if you're self-employed at least. Yeah. So I think if she can, and it's like changing this idea that we have to put loads away. Mm. I think what puts, what makes people not do anything is this idea that it has to be hundreds. Mm. It's like you're better off starting small and putting a bit in your pension, a little bit in savings mm. and getting into the habit of doing it mm. than going, oh, well, I can't do it right now. Mm. And only doing one or the other. Aren't you doing like a, a money saving challenge? Yes. Okay. Yeah, in January, February, New Year, next in the new year. Okay. Um, yeah. Some kind of savings challenge, yeah, which will be everyone whoever's listening uh yeah. goes to zopa's like i think it's given on the website their instagram mm -hmm. and uh yeah in an attempt awesome. to save more money yeah <laughs> next year okay cool can i wait before cool. we go into the next one sorry can i ask a bit about you then so <laughs> i know you've saved so much money what was your mindset like then have you always had positive thoughts towards money growing up or mm. is that something that you had to teach yourself as well mm. yes yeah, so for me because of what I saw with my parents with money, I saw how much stress money can bring mm, when right. you don't have it, when it's not managed properly. Mm. So not, like I had this negative view towards money. So when I started earning it, I didn't realize that that's how I felt. I just obviously went the other way, started saving as much as I could mm. without really realizing the connection between why I was doing it. After a few years, so like from 16 to 19, when I was just like working in like a little retail job, when I actually got, full-time job and I was in an office and I was all you know working on spreadsheets and stuff <laughs> I got more serious about understanding how I felt about money mm. um, because I was able to connect like oh payday happened oh I moved money into my savings oh I feel good mm. and when I wasn't able to do that you connect like the feeling so my mindset even though the sa being a saver came from I guess a negative place because of what I went through in my childhood it had a positive impact mm. so but but that there is like pros and cons to being a saver because you then struggle to spend and you yeah. find it guilty, mm. you like feel guilty for it. So then I had to work on that side of it, mm. that part of my mentality. I know we touched on before, like people may think you have privileges. Mm -hmm. What difficulties, like how was your childhood? Did you have to support your parents financially or like how or was it? 
them just giving you an allowance or something? What, what, how was the dynamic? Yeah, so I've got three brothers and sisters. When I, yes, I got my first job, I was about 15 or 16. As soon as I started earning money, I was like paying rent and not much. It was just like a small amount. But there were occasions where I was lending my parents money because I did start saving straight away. So then there were occasions where I was given the money maybe for the mortgage or maybe because their car broke down or things like that. And I was able to have this connection of, oh, I've worked and I've put some money aside. Mm. I've been able to fix a problem with money. Mm. And that happened throughout the time that I lived there and I lived at home till maybe I was 22 or 23. Mm. Did that financial situation drive you to want to move out or did you, what made what did that drive you like the did that drive you to move out or yeah so i went traveling and when i was in australia we like lived in sydney for a bit um didn't just backpack we actually lived there the girls got a job and it was this like living in the city i was like oh yeah me and the girls were like should we live in london when we get back it was such (laughs) like oh yeah so cow should we just live in london moved back home that bit of time in between was probably the hardest time from being not at home mm. to then coming back mm. and my as soon as I was home my heart was set on moving yeah. out and it was yeah. like you know because that stuff does have an impact in a household yeah. and I was like I'm good with my money and I know that if my money was just mine and I could live on my own mm. Mm, yeah. who knows what I can do yeah. <laughs> so it did it definitely had a impact for sure Mm. but I view it in a positive way like I'm not like get your violins out like (laughs) feel sorry for me like I'm I'm actually happy I that all happened because Mm. I definitely it it made it made me how I am now with money and Mm. like led me into this path of personal finance and Mm. it's only had good things yeah Yeah. and you mentioned um, anxiety with money so let's listen to the second dilemma dilemma because I think you'll find this quite Quite interesting. interesting hey guys I'm really struggling with my anxiety over spending money and um, I don't know what to do. I just keep saving. So things were tough growing up. We always had bailiffs knocking on our doors. So I've always had kind of a chip on my shoulder. This motivated me to work hard and get a good job. I was the first person in my family to go to uni, buy a house and escape the poverty trap. My savings are in a good place. But this is where the problem starts. I know I need to renovate my house or buy a bigger place, but I literally can't bring myself to use my savings. Instead, I just keep building the pot up for nothing specific. Don't get me wrong, I splurge every now and again on gadgets, but I never ever go over my monthly budget. I just don't want to end up like my parents and be skint. Having some savings gives me security. That's quite deep, man. Yeah. And it's really interesting because this is something that you just said that, yeah. you know, growing up, you had um, anxiety. Well, when you're young, you had a bit of anxiety towards your money. That's why you save so much. So what would your advice be to a gentleman like this? I think it's really, I think, first of all, it'd be really important for him to actually acknowledge how big of an achievement it is of what he's done. If he's got yeah. himself out of a situation that sucked Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like bought a house and he's got savings, like that in itself is amazing. Yeah. And I think we can, it's the whole like reaching for the next goal, right? Like being like, oh, I need this, this. Mm. So like, let's take a moment to appreciate how far you've actually come. Mm. I think that we have to think like the fact that he's saving without a goal in mind. And he mentioned like money is security. That's exactly how I felt towards mm. money. And I see it as like a safety net as something that's secure. But what you need to think about 
is what is enough? What is enough as your security? Because otherwise that goalpost will just keep moving. Mm. So can he think of, so he said his savings are in a good place. Can you think of of an amount that you say, right, I know if anything happens, this is, you know, my emergency fund is six months worth of income or however that plays in. Keep that in this one place and then start building up a separate pot that has a specific goal. So this is for my house renovation Mm. so that, He's not dipping into the savings that he sees as his security and that can remain that way. Mm. And then this is like, okay, now I'm working towards this goal so we yeah. can split out the the meaning for the money. Mm. Because if he just carries on, like you said, building up this savings pot where it's nothing specific, the number is just going to keep going higher and then where, yeah. where does it stop? Yeah. Mm. So it's like a mindset change around what you're using the money for. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. And what about yourself? So you said that, when you saved the 15000 and you went to Australia, um, initially you didn't want to spend. Mm-hmm. So how did you get out of that mind, mind frame? Like, what did you have to tell yourself in order to allow yourself to start spending that money? Yeah, so I think first up, FOMO. <laughs> I was like, oh no. So I had this money. The girls had asked, like, do you want to come travelling? And yeah. I deferred my place at drama school booked like a flight and did all that initial stuff, just the flight and accommodation. And that was okay because it felt like a small portion of the money. Mm. It was when I was there Mm. that I was essentially, every time I needed a bit more money, moving it from my savings into my current account, I was then spending it. Mm. And I'll be honest, like it was quite anxiety inducing because I was like, ah, this money is just going down. There was a switching point for me where I was looking at how amazing the experience was that I was having mm-hmm. and I was able to be like oh my god this I worked really hard for those three years and this money that I've got is now giving me incredible experiences mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think where I was such a uh, saver from that young age I don't really see myself as very materialistic so I wasn't really buying clothes and stuff like that but I would always budget in money for experiences just mm-hmm. like going out with the girls or yeah. going on holiday so this was just like a bigger version of that mm-hmm. and it was changing my mindset like if I've saved 15 grand already I can totally do it again True. but True. I'm here right now like be present enjoy the moment now like do everything you want to do mm. without going crazy obviously like yeah. <laughs> do you want to be home in a week <laughs> <laughs> and then you can make the money back when you're back yeah. mm. It's like experiencing in the moment. Mm. Do you think then can, is it, ever be, is it ever possible to be addicted to saving? Because in this guy's circumstances, right, he's, he's just saving for the mm. sake of saving. Yeah. And it's like to the point whereby you may start doing like at the cost of your mental health. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's why I'm like, I'm picking up like, yeah. I know because like there's this school of thought, oh yeah, just like buy Tesco one, one piece stuff or mm. like, but at what point does buying all those cheap products, you're damaging your health or not going out mm. and you're you're damaging your mental health. Like, mm. have you ever been in a, in a space? I, I think you can, the Australia, you, as, as you went to Australia, you didn't want to spend the money, but have you ever been in a, situa- in a situation whereby you've kind of toggled saving money and your mental health at the same time? Has that ever been a, a balancing act? So devil's advocate to that point, I don't think it's the saving money that's causing him the anxiety. I think mm. it's how he feels about financial security that's mm. given him the anxiety. Mm. But the saving is like a consequence of that. So because mm. he feels worried that he's not going to have enough, that, you know, he might end up skinned like his parents or um, it forces him to save because he can see what, benefit it has Mm. so but that's what i can relate to Mm. and it's um but i agree like i think there's definitely a cost of your mental health of it being if the thing if if you're really getting down about the fact that you're buying the meal deal and you can't buy 
the luxury meal deal or whatever. <laughs> 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 like little things, frugality, right? Yeah. If it's if that's causing you poor mental health, you have to relook at why you're doing it. Yeah. Why is it you're yeah. even doing it? Because yes, you've got money in the bank, great, but you, you're not happy. You're mm. not feeling. You're not even feeling safe and comfortable. So what you think you're doing mm. is giving yourself that peace of mind, but you're actually not. Mm. And that's a mindset piece towards how money makes you feel. Mm towards how saving makes you feel like i feel once i spent that money i came home saved it again and i definitely got a bit addicted to saving again F- moved to london which isn't cheap mm. found a happy balance between enjoying my monthly money spending but also saving mm. and like it leveled out and like i wouldn't say that i feel anxious about money but i did before mm. so i uh, it's, it's i've definitely had that experience but mm. i think he has to change the way he views what he's mm. doing mm. that makes sense yeah no, it does it does. you're right is in having that balance like you said between spending and saving that's why we always talk about the enjoyment fund so yeah. like mm. i have like a set amount of money that i put aside each month and i know that i can do whatever yeah. i want with this yeah. money if i want to blow it on a concert or whisker tickets or whatever it is then <laughs> i will do that and i just spend them whatever but it's a certain, certain amount of money and I know that I won't go into my savings. So it just allows you to enjoy a little bit. Yeah. I say to people about having a guilt-free part in the budget. Yeah. So you, you put aside whether it's 20 quid or it's like 200 pounds or yeah. 10, you know, whatever. Then you say, I am not going to shame myself for how I spend this money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like one time I spent about 50 pounds on pens. Because I found I a pen. Not <laughs> <laughs> I, found, I like journaling, right? So I found the perfect pen. Was it like a calligraphy, a, a calligraphy pen or something like that? No, it was just like standard biro, but it was just really nice. It was <laughs> no, it wasn't a biro. It was just like a I don't know. It was just a really nice like pen wow. to write with. And then one month, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna stock up on um, that pen. On that pen. Oh wow! Uh, this was a couple of years ago, and they're still going. <laughs> oh, okay. but before I might have been like, why would I do that? You know, like but it was my it was my guilt free free money for the month. So yeah. happy days. Yeah. What a win! <laughs> Did not expect a pen. I thought it was going to say, oh, design a bag or something. I didn't get a pen. A pen. Yeah. <laughs> I love stationery. Oh, so, like before we wrap up, um, got quite a controversial on un- popular opinion. Please, personal money bloggers, don't um, shoot me. The people that believe in like um, this, this is getting cancelled in every episode I know because because I'm going to say something quite uh, a little bit controversial like people always saying mm-hmm. are saying you should cut costs so the, the unpopular opinion is I think most personal finance advice puts too much focus on saving money and not enough on increasing your income I believe that I think that's true facts yeah I totally like believe that I feel like there's only so much that you can save obviously yes it's good to save it's good to like um form like good habits but like you can't save yourself into wealth you can't save yourself into richness i feel like um at some point the focus needs to be on how can you increase your income how can you earn more money because just like you said there is a correlation between how much you can save and how much you can earn Mm. so yeah yeah i think that it's important, like you said, about building good saving habits. Yeah. I think the thing about talking about increasing your net worth and your, oh, sorry, your income is that lifestyle creep can happen. So mm. people aim to increase their income. And if they haven't at least had some form of good saving habit, mm. they just spend more. Mm. They're like, yeah, I'm earning loads more money. And it's like, are you saving or investing any of it? So mm. like, oh, I've got nothing to show for it. <laughs> so that's why I think I agree with the statement. I think there needs to be more put onto finding ways to increase your income alongside talking about saving and investing? Mm, mm, mm. Mm? Mm, 
I think it depends who that personal finance blog blogger is directed. Sorry, who's it's aimed at? Who's yeah, the, who yeah. it's aimed at? I mean, yeah. if you're aimed at potentially a young audience, like um, well, millennials, we're not young anymore. But <laughs> if you're aimed at a young audience, then I think saving is it's fine to just talk about saving because you, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, remember that most of us have not had any type of financial education. So mm. if you go straight into investing, it's like, it's it's just too confusing. You have to start at the very basics, the foundation, and then build yourself up. Mm. And then you might have to potentially find a different type of blogger to go to your, I don't know, increase your income advice for, and then a different blogger for your saving advice, et cetera, et cetera. Stay with us. We, yeah, we, we do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, yeah, it depends on the, on the particular person. Yeah, I think the most important thing about saving money is all contextual. Yeah. yeah. You know, everyone has their own degree of privilege. I know, you know, sometimes as you get older, you become more self-aware. Yeah. Like, for example, I used to think I oh, was an achievement. Oh, we've got on this property ladder or whatever mm. without banking mum and dad. Mm. For someone to turn around and tell me that the fact that you stayed at, you lived at your parents and you didn't pay that much, that's actually indirectly bank, bank of mum and dad. So that's, that's what someone mm. someone said to me. So Because um, you were able to save. Yeah, because we were able yeah. to save. And I really want people to realise if you're listening to it, if you're not saving enough, don't beat yourself up. Mm. You may hear people, oh, I've got 50 grand in savings or whatever. In two minutes. In two minutes. It could be crypto, you know. But like, um, even when people say like they've saved a certain amount by a certain age, you also have to factor, there's a different side of personal finance, which is also life choices. Yeah. Whether you've gotten married, mm -hmm. whether you've had kids, mm -hmm. uh, um, or whether you face bereavement, mm -hmm. or you've gone through mental health, and you mm -hmm. and you can't save any money, you can't work. Mm -hmm. So it's really all contextual. I think the most important thing people can take away is stop, build the habit. Yes. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I I hope um, people have taken away something from this episode. Um, I really have enjoyed uh, you. yeah. your company, Laura. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely um, to be here. Where can they find you? How can they find more information about you? So I'm over all the socials, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Um, literally just as Laura Ann Moore. Um, How do you spell that? So L-A-U-R-A yeah. underscore A-N-N underscore M-O-O-R-E. Okay. Got it nice mm. and easy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you just put that in whatever is your preferred platform, um, I'm sure you'll find me. Awesome. Yeah, you just listened to another episode of Your and My Stories. Thank you, guys. Bye. You've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories, an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa. Who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to the episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast. And of course, if you want to be on the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs at Money Medics on Instagram.